Homeopathy, where two American ladies talk about drinking tea and watching British television shows. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm Sarah, the other host. You can find us on the social medias, um, at Twitter, um, at T and Sympathy Pod, and don't forget, it's just the letter T. Um, our website is tandsympathypod.com. Our email, where you should send us love letters, feedback, tea suggestions, your innermost thoughts, um, that's at tandsympathypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash tea and sympathy pod. And of course, Apple Podcasts and Google Play for you Android users, a.k.a. my mother. <laughs> I feel like she's the unseen, unheard third hostess. I know she is, and I <laughs> love it. I love that she's starting to turn into some sort of, like, running gag. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be thrilled to hear. Um, uh, it's a respectful kind of laughter. It's a respect. Yes, thank you. She's yeah. the woman who created me. I would not be here without her. She's the ultimate sponsor. And also, oh, she uh, is a, a foremost promoter of our pod. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, I, I totally spaced this. My mom was visiting her um, cousin uh, and was talking about the pod to her cousin because he likes British television shows. And um, it was prior to us recording the uh Shetland episode Ooh. and it was I think right after we recorded it and he said well I don't really like anything but British crime shows and I said well you're in luck because we just recorded one on British crime shows so you should listen in so she is out there uh my mother here we go my mother is the DJ Khaled of teen sympathy pod <laughs> what are we drinking uh, I'm drinking berries decaf with milk. Not by choice. I would rather be drinking caffeinated tea, but full we don't have any. Full speed. I'm drinking berries classic with sugar and milk. Or sugar and, uh, yeah, sugar and milk. Is that the one in the black box? Uh-huh. Mm, that's the fancy one. Mm-mm. Is it? Wait, well, it's gold? See, here's, okay. Uh, the only reason that I say this is because at the store where I buy them, there's a little card um, on the display mm -hmm. that someone has handwritten and gold is listed for every day, um, you know, drinking throughout the day. Oh, wow. And then gold or classic is the one that you quote, save for company. So you're true. Oh my God, I've been doing it wrong this whole <laughs> time. I've just assumed that uh, classic is your like get up and go strong builders tea tea and then i mean i think whatever works for you look i'll be honest they taste nearly identical yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> there's no where is the lie there's no lie there's, they are really identical maybe the classic i have found that the classic is a little uh lighter in color and maybe that's why it's like drink throughout the day kind of thing maybe I don't know. We'll have to delve into that for another episode. I, I think we should. I would love uh, an, an exploration. Oh, an exploration of the history of tea. 
oh, who doesn't want to hear that other than literally just the two of us? <laughs> Maybe we should have a tea special. Oh, I love it. What did we watch this week, Sarah? We watched a goodie, an oldie, but a goodie, Nigella Bites. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 20 have, years old. I have very strong um, memories and emotions tied into this show in a good way. There was just, it's a little, it's a little time capsule. It is. It is sincerely a little time capsule of like nine of the late nineties, early aughts. I saw that you had noted about the, the opening of the show, the, the musical. Oh my God. Intro. And so I was, I had totally forgotten about how, not just the music, but how it's animated. Yeah. And how it's, it's like a weird, like heroin induced fever dream from the 1920s. I was literally just about to say fever dream. No. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's like 100% like weird jazz with super bizarre animation. Like if that woman is supposed to be her, who, uh, I don't know whether I would be flattered or not. Peak late 90s. It sounds, first of all, a lot like the Sex and the City theme. Oh my God, yes. They found the same saxophonist. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever played the saxophone on uh, Baker Street. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same saxophonist. Really? uh... That is a deep cut for anyone who does not listen to... uh, Yacht Rock? Baker's. Yeah. I look, I've been listening to a lot of Yacht Rock this week because it's my go-to when I'm at work. So Baker Street is a classic. I will not, I will not hate on Yacht Rock. Oh, I love it so much. Well, should we give a a little background? Yeah. Would you, would you please get us back on track? Because, (laughs) uh, you know me, I will literally just talk about my life into this pop filter. Um, I mean, I think that's fine too, but we can talk a little bit about Nigella, Nigella Lucy Lawson. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'll touch, I'll touch on this a bit later, but so she's 58 now in present day. Um, How is that ha- like, I don't know, but I was looking at, I was watching the show and I was like, is it just cause I'm old now? But she's 38 in that show. Goddess. Yeah. And she's looks 25. Yeah, she does. And she looks maybe 40 now. So yeah, she does. She's pretty spectacular. Um, I was very gratified to find out that her father was a former chancellor of the Exchequer, which I love to say. One of my favorite, um, slightly now useless <laughs> titles in the English monarchy, like um, Order yeah. of the Garter and like things like that. Like they all made sense in Tudor England, but like now I'm like, really? You're the Chancellor of the Exchequer? What? Mm-hmm. You re- you sign the checks literally? Like you manage the budget? <laughs> uh, oh, unreal. Okay, sorry. I just gotta slip this in here. Did you see the news that the last corgi has died? I did see that. I'm major bombed. I'm major bombed. I mean, I'm sad about the corgi, of course, and I, I'm sad for any dog owner that loses their beloved dog, but also it's kind of poignant that she's like, this is the last one because I'm 92. Oh, no. Yeah, this is, I was, I was very upset when I heard that she was not like, have like having and breeding anymore, owning anymore. Yeah. Um, I have a weird attachment to the queen's corgis, like- they're so ever present. They're so 
emblematic of her. And they're corgis. And then they're corgis, which are amazing <laughs> dogs. I'm very, I was very saddened by this. Sorry. Back to Nigella. And so her father was um, Chancellor of the Exchequer, and he was a member of Parliament and blah, blah, blah. But her, her mother's family owned, and I didn't know this, owned the mm-hmm. J. Lyons and Company food and catering business. And mm-hmm. the reason that um, made me perk up my ears was because I had just been reading a book where they kind of name check um, Lyons restaurants. And so Ooh. if you... If you've read a book set in like London within the last, I don't know, hundred years or so, give it give or take a few. <laughs> All right. Um, you might have heard mention of one of those uh, restaurants, but she's um, she's not a trained chef. Um, she was a food writer. Um, her background is actually much more heavily in um, journalism, newspaper and magazine journalism, and uh, her cookbook How to Eat was published in 1998. And the show that we watched, Nigella Bites, ran from 1999 to 2001 on Channel 4. Um, it was filmed at her home in West London. And then in the U.S., you may recall it being broadcast on E! or the Style Network, not Food Network Television. Wait, it was not on the Food Network? Um, that show wasn't. I think she had other shows that were rebroadcast um, on Food Network. Or perhaps she was on shows that were created specifically for the food network but i was it got me to wondering like what was the the food tv landscape at least in the u.s um, it was great yeah that was it like, was. oh that that was when food tv was still watchable and there were people on it you wanted to watch yeah so bobby flay emma loved his show his what uh, he only had one show and I, it was a good show sarah moulton was on around that time her show ming sai Martha Stewart had a show. Uh, and Jamie Oliver, mm-hmm. Nick, which was another big, like, high watermark, I think. Yep. I loved early Food Network. It was great. It was Anthony Bourdain's first show. Um, and um, Mario Batali, but that show was canceled, and now he is also canceled, so. Yeah, I, okay, so look, this is. <laughs> I'm I'm not even going to make a comment on, like, uh, current – I just never really liked Molto Mario. I think that we talked about this when we recorded our trailer for some reason. Did we? Yeah, because I remember you. I very clearly remember you saying that you just never were a big, like – Yeah, never was. Never got it. But, like, my father lo- – my father adored Emerald, which, of course, I'm sure all, like, Midwestern dads <laughs> loved Emerald and, like – I think there was a brief period in the late 90s, early aughts, where every dad was like, bam, or pow. Or... <laughs> my, my husband um, loves Emerald, and uh, he's... Current, like, currently? He has a fond memory of Emerald because he... My husband's a, a great cook, and he remembers that being one of the shows that he watched that, like, got him inspired. Uh-huh, cook. I love it. I love... So this is a... Non, I mean, I love that Nigella Lawson, this is, you know, I love that she's Jewish. Like, I love that the family, I love her mom and her dad are both Jewish. It makes me happy. I didn't know that before either, before I read her. Uh, I always get very uh, excited when you think of, like, very typically British and therefore Anglican people, and then you find out that they're Jewish because I'm like, <laughs> we're everywhere. I was uh, struck by, when watching the show, well, first of all, like... 
The show looks, I mean, I watched it on YouTube, so I don't know about the quality. I don't know where it was pulled from, but um, yeah. the production values are like pretty bare bones. How did they fit in her? Like, it, so like if anyone's watched Barefoot Contessa, like, you know why, how they fit in her house because it's a friggin' estate in the Hamptons. Well, plus she built a studio on her property. Plus she built a studio. But like, you get, you very much can get the feeling that it's, I feel like Nigella Bites is, it feels very claustrophobic, not in a bad way, but in a like, I very much understand that I am in her living room. (laughs) Yeah, because they shoot from like a room away. Yes, and I don't know how they all fit in there. Or they shoot um, around her pot rack that's hanging Mm -hmm. from the ceiling. (laughs) And she just moves like, she's very... Like you, I think you said something about how like messy she is and like there's stuff going on. Like there's not, you know, when you watch Martha and you can see that they've set out the like mise en place for her and everything, yeah. like all the little no. things are labeled. <laughs> Nigella does not care. I don't know. It's, like it's more that like, well, yeah, her house is slightly messy-ish, but like <laughs> we'll just jump right into it. How does she wear white diaphanous clothing and is somehow never covered in food like the way it it is it seems like a physic physically impossible a physical impossibility <laughs> that she is as like messy with her eating and messy with her cooking but wearing such clothing and that she's not filthy she still does it even on um the show that's on pbs now at my table which is recent oh my God year or so and she's still in there wearing her little her little pink top just doing her how 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 do you do it i don't know at the at this moment i'm wearing a sweatshirt that i've cooked dinner in for like the past three nights and it smells like pad thai and chicken soup um that makes me feel a little bit better that you uh wear the same sweatshirt a couple days in a row because i do that and sometimes i worry that like there's someone out there who like has like fresh lounge clothes every day. I'm not one of them. We have this rotating wardrobe between the two of us. Um, <laughs> giant, giant gray sweatshirts and we just wear them. All <laughs> all the so that's what we cook in, Nigella. So take that and your Eileen Fisher separates. And <laughs> oh God, though, it's so good. Her like, her kind of, speaking of her clothes, her calling card is like, yeah. I mean, I just remembered like sexy Nigella with her like plunging tops and um you know, cleavage and domestic goddess. But in that first series, she's dressed kind of like a hip nun. Yeah, I don't. Ironically enough, I remember, I very much remember everyone talking about her being like a sensual goddess. I mean, the way she talks about it. I never really thought of her that way because I always remember her wearing like diaphanous Eileen Fisher separates. I don't, I'm not sure where the, I, again, maybe this is like, ooh, toxic masculinity or something, but like just because a woman eats food with her hands and like has like manicured fingernails and likes to put her hands in food, like I don't know if that, I get the feeling like the, she's so sexy when she cooks is maybe slightly misplaced. Now I will say I do, I do have a note where she's, I wrote, she's so luscious, but I feel like luscious is different than 
sensual. Well, she just, I mean, she's having, she loves eating food. And I think that she uses, like, she's very descriptive. She uses a lot of words to describe it. That yeah, makes, she's a writer. And, uh, like, when she was talking about the gelatin, the leaf gelatin. Oh, my God, I loved and hated that part. And she was like, there's something so lovely about squelching. <laughs> she, there was something so satisfying. I, I think she, but, well, like, again, she's a writer. I think she touched on those things very well of like there's a thin line between that's repulsive and this is so much fun it's like it's almost to me like a Pavlovian response to like your childhood of like there's something satisfying about like clomping around like wearing like wellies and smushing around in mud Getting your hand, like getting your hand, like playing with sheet gelatin is fun. It's disgusting and makes you feel like you're handling worms, but it's fun. She also cooks the way, I mean, I know it still is produced and an idealized um, version of like cooking in a home kitchen, but I mean, she cooks a lot more like a real person cooks where you're just like shoving pots aside and like clanging things around and um, I'm sure it's like studied to some extent, but it's yeah. more relatable than, um, you know, Martha or what have you. And I love, I love Martha. Love Martha. No mistake. Martha's very aspirational. But let's talk about the, let's talk about the food. Cause you had remarked on the mushy peas. I love mushy peas. <laughs> I love mushy peas. I hate that we don't eat mushy peas as like a staple in this country. It makes me sad. Do you ever buy the there you can get canned ones at like import stores. I don't know if canned they're... mushy peas? Yep. Oh, pre-mush? No, cuz you could make like it's my own fault. You can make them. You just get Well, if you were interested in mushy peas as a convenience food, I think you can obtain them. <laughs> I feel like you I feel like making them is pretty easy. I just never think it's more like I just Hmm. I I noted this at the very, like, so I noted this about pavlovas, which we, uh, let's talk about pavlovas because oh, yeah. OMG. But like, I feel like there are standard, I feel like there are standards of British cookery, standard um, dishes of British cookery that I wish were standards of American cookery. Like um, a pavlova. Yeah, like pavlovas. <laughs> She's still making those pavlovas. She was slinging on her new show. I am not kidding you. That is like the single best dessert maybe ever created. I have never made a pavlova. My mother-in-law made a beautiful pavlova. And I guess that I just always think of it when I think about making one. And I'm kind of afraid to. No, you should make it. Just do the like Nigella version where you like just make the meringue, like plop it on a baking sheet, bake it, whisk some cream, and then shove some. I will say, she, I, and she, and Nigella does say this, like her presentation on some things, uh, uh, leaves something to be desired. Um, and normally it's fine, but like mm-hmm. her making that pavlova and then just like, dumping passion fruit on it (laughs) is fine. I love passion fruit, but I would have loved to like have strained out the seeds because it just looked like alien snot all over the top. (laughs) The pavlova, it just didn't, it was like, I get it. 
you don't do presentation, but also can you not make it look gross? She, um, sometimes she has a, like a clunker or two because I was watching at my table. It's on right after, um, Cook's Country, which I'm obsessed with, but she tried to make me believe that I should put hazelnut ice cream on a brioche bun and eat it. And I just, um, I have an, I have a problem with that. How would you even do that? Like defrosted hazelnut ice cream? Yeah, you. Um, well, she made it, so maybe it's a little bit less you know, ah, frozen. Yeah. But you put like a scoop of it on a brioche hamburger bun, and then you smash on it on a hamburger bun. Yeah, a brioche no. hamburger. So I, I get the concept because brioche buns are sweet, but um, I don't want to eat ice cream on it. So no, no, I, I reject the premise of that recipe. No, so. yeah, not into it. I forgot about her uh, enormous salt pig. Which <laughs> I, have a very distinct memory of that being my first intro to like storing salt in a way that was not like in a salt shaker. Yeah. Or the Morton's container that I loved that enormous salt. <laughs> I, I keep mine in a Mason jar. I keep mine in a ramekin from Walmart and oh, help. Well. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to upgrade with the new house. This is the last recording in the bathroom. Next, you'll be in your office. I will be in an office. I like my note. I feel like this is what Sandra Lee was going for if she had any gifts whatsoever. <laughs> Sandra Lee. Right? Oh, gosh. Sandra Lee is like, I don't know. You want to like her. No, I don't. I want to actively hate her. <laughs> I love to hate her, that woman. Well, Not because even- she just, it's like she, she muffs it on the like, five yard line or whatever you know she's yeah, she does she does constantly you're like okay i guess i can see where this is going like maybe it's not my jam but like i can see what she's go. what whoa no whoa why is she sticking twizzlers out of that cake she always had the tablescapes oh god the tablescapes unbelievable <laughs> like, here's how to do homemaking like super easy just go to the dollar store spend fifty dollars on a bunch of garbage throw it all over your table spend three <laughs> hours throwing it all over your table easy as pie i miss people who can cook oh, i haven't watched the food network in god knows how long well, um, it's, it, like frankly it's garbage like there's I, a few good shows on in the I morning know. when you can watch I know. it's literally i know I turn like I occasionally watch just I, I feel like Ina is carrying the food network on her substantial yet slight shoulders. You know, but I think I'm also wrong with that because I feel like there are people who watch the food network strictly for like competitions and, and guy fieri shows. No, like we're in the minority. People definitely yeah. love the Halloween baking championship. Oh, like, God, I hate them. Um, you know, that's innocuous i suppose it's just um it's not cooking even the cooking channel is not really cooking yeah did you uh did you watch nailed it on netflix unrelated but like i I didn't everyone loved it and i watched it and i was so massively uncomfortable just watching these people very hard time watching reality shows it does. It's cringe-inducing. I can't know. watch um, people being embarrassed on camera. No, it's like, what's the German word for that? I, think I only know schadenfreude, which is not the correct word. But I'm sure if there's a German word for that, I, I'm sure it exists. It's a word for like feeling embarrassment or shame on someone else's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, that's yeah. me. Fremd shaman. 
The feeling of shame on someone else's. Yep, yeah. that's, that is it. I am uncomfortable. Um, did I miss something with the pears and chocolate combination? Anyone who's ever watched Great British Bake Off will know that there is probably in every single episode, in every season, there is at least one person per episode that does a pears and chocolate combination. And I find, I, I think it's because I don't like pears, but like, I, I, that's not a combination you see in the U.S. and they, yet you see it everywhere in the U.K. And I'm wondering if it's just like me, maybe it is in the U.S. And like, because I don't like pears, I'm not paying attention to it. Yeah, I would have been tempted to say it was some, it was like trendy, but she said that her grandmother made it. And so clearly it's been around a while. I just wonder if it's maybe a, um, maybe it's a seasonality thing, like pears are widely available and maybe it's a classic combination that I'm just missing. Uh, Well, I was going to turn the corner to our miscellaneous corner. Um, And the reason I I wrote that I wanted to talk about Poldark is because, um, I was under the weather this week, and so I, I did a lot of, um, I missed a day of work, and um, I watched a lot of Poldark. I had I had left Poldark behind. I had, had to catch up a whole season. It's not, I mean, it's a, it's a good show. It gets, like, really boring and silly, um, mm-hmm. you know, as the latter sort of years of Downton Abbey did, where it's, like, a character walks on to the set, and you're like, ugh, and, like you know, the storylines get kind of tired or what have you, but let us not deny the appeal of Aiden Turner, who plays Ross Poldark. You had recommended this to me, I think, when you first started watching it, and I tried. Oh, didn't you find, you didn't, didn't I, I, I did not, I didn't get it. Oh, I remember this now, yeah. I, I, this was like, because this one, again, is like, what is the difference between this and like the miniaturist or this and outlander or this and I don't know, literally pick any, you know, period British drama. For some reason, I was just like, I don't get it. Um, it's another one where you have to kind of, uh, you have to pay close attention to figure out what they're talking about a lot of the time because the first season is very mining heavy. And, <laughs> It's like, like, first of all, you have to figure out what they're saying because there's two different mines that they refer to and you're like, which one is which and whose land is it on? And like, what are you mining again? Is it tin? Yeah, I think that, yes, I remember Needle? that. I don't remember. <laughs> um, it's Wales, right? So, um, well, they're in Cornwall. Okay. I do, mining is very uh, heavy down there. It's based on books. I should probably call this podcast I didn't read the book, but <laughs> um, so it's based on a series a series of books that were um, and there was a, there was a TV there was a Poldark TV series in the seventies as well. I didn't um, watch. I didn't read the Outlander books either. So fine. I I told my husband I was like, so this is a show. It's a sweeping period drama about people who make the dumbest possible decisions cool. based on the least amount of information available. <laughs> you know, Ross Poldark is always like charging off on his stallion to go save somebody. And like his wife's always mad about it. And then he'll get back from his adventure alive and she'll be like, no, never do that again. He's like, totally never going to do it again. And then he does. 
it really boils down to, because I was like, oh, I love Russ Poldark. And then I was like, mm, I think actually he's kind of a jerk. Well, I want to get into your uh, all caps comment, because I obviously haven't watched it. But like, what, do tell what you're... What you're what... Oh, so first of all, he's maybe, he maybe raped his like high school sweetheart. Cool. Um, Cool. Um, and you can yeah. Google this. There's a lot of like controversy over the episode. <laughs> there are Reddit, a Reddit uh, <laughs> discussing conspiracy theories about Ross Boldark. Yeah, he's with this woman, and he goes off to war. Like everyone thinks they're going to get married. This woman Elizabeth, and um, he goes to war, and he's gone for like three years. And she's like, "Well, he's dead." So she marries his cousin. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so he comes back. The cousin, spoiler alert, dies in a mining accident. So, so she's single. She's gonna get married um, to Ross's arch nemesis, other cousin George Warleggen. I mean, maybe their cousin. Sorry, his name is Warleggen. Yep, of course it does. But he goes over to her house, her manor, Trenwith, one night, and um, I forget like what spurs him to dash off on his horse across the moors or whatever. And he comes into her bedroom and is like we're doing this. And she's like, I don't think so. And then he like throws her on the bed. And, um, mm. and then in the morning it's portrayed as like, Oh, you, <laughs> Oh, he, you rake. Yes. And he goes home to his wife. No. And, uh, she punches him, I, like okay. punches him out on the ground. Like he lands I on like the, ground. the wife. She's the best. The show should be about her. Her name is Demelza. I, I like the wife. I yeah. I feel like the, he's like a less interesting version of Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. Yeah, he's just like he never understands why his wife is annoyed with him. And there's um a storyline a storyline where I, that I won't like get too detailed. But he goes to um she didn't want him to run for parliament. He does. He, <laughs> wins. he didn't mean to win. He's like, oh sorry, I won. Um, <laughs> So he Did has, I do that? Like, seriously, it's an <laughs> 80s sitcom. He has to go to London to be in Parliament, and he's gone for, like, six months or something, and there's all this, they're writing all these letters back and forth, and um, so after six or seven months away from home, he rides back to his home on his steed, and, like, <laughs> she's in the yard, and he runs up to her after all this time and gets off his horse and says, so, what have you been up to? She's like, well, do you mean besides um, minding your home and your friggin' minds and oh, your children? And then he's like, what did I do? I, mm. Ross Poldark, in conclusion, very attractive, kind of the worst. Yeah. What about what? So you have some suggestions about what we should watch next week. I have some suggestions that I totally forgot to put in there. So let's talk about them. Okay. Um, well, very briefly, we did have a um, listener suggestion. We did? Yes. To yet another? Yet another. Oh, my God. Um, to watch. Um, do you remember when we talked about Bargain Hunt? We had um, yes. a listener email that talked about Bargain Hunt. Yes. And then another listener said you should watch the Jarvis Cocker episode of Bargain Hunt. Sure. Which, intriguing. Right. Okay. I may find that for us, and yeah, that might be a that might be require some internet, some deep deep web searching. Yeah. But uh, I'm into it. I'm there for it. Uh, and then, to, uh, please talk about um, your suggestion. 
my suggestion, and I posted this on our Facebook uh, group, which everyone should be in. Why are you not in it yet? <laughs> I suggested watching Bodyguard, uh, mostly so that I can have an excuse to binge watch things with Richard Madden in it. But <laughs> it it do, it looks really like good, and and I think it was very very highly rated in the UK when it was originally like when it was it was on I think one of one of the BBCs. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, and and you know it's it's like a it's an action thrillery kind of law enforcement one. Also, I stumbled upon yesterday because I was wanted to suggest, which we might still do. I might have three suggestions. Mary Berry's Country Homes. Have you seen that? I have. Oh, that's a good one. We might want to do that. But I was looking for it on Netflix. Um, and when I didn't find it on Netflix, because I couldn't remember where I had seen it, I came across Great British Menu. Oh, yes. I've seen the, um, I've seen the pre- preview for it. Yeah. So it's Britain's Top Chef serve up their best fare for the chance to feature in menus at grand banquets and events. Oh, okay. So I might just maybe watch the first one on my own and like see if we like, you know, dig it. I think that's a great idea. But I, I would like to submit m- both Mary Berry's Country Homes uh, because I feel like we maybe need a Mary Berry fix and the bodyguard, but I, or not the bodyguard, bodyguard. I, but I will probably be watching that all on my own because I, ooh, Richard Madden. Yeah, let's watch. Let's start watching Bodyguard. And um, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I thought that was going to go a totally different way. All right. I've seen Mary Berry, so we can talk about it anytime. Okay. But what what was your suggestion? Because I do like yours as well. Oh, um, so I just find all kinds of things when I'm on the PBS app, but uh, the the woman in white is a BBC five part series and it's available on masterpiece on PBS. Okay. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it other than that. It's a reimagining of, of a novel, a Victorian era novel. And there's a mystery. The descriptor is kind of amazing. Walter Hartwright encounters a ghostly woman dressed in all white on Hampstead Heath which is one of my favorite. I love Hampstead Heath. I don't know why it's been mentioned in like, um, who's in it? Do we know the details? Oh, Charles Dance. Okay. Jesse Buckley. Um, yeah, Jesse Buckley, Ben Hardy, Olivia. Dugray Scott is, is, is a good fave, is an old fave. So we can look into that and maybe watch it. Yeah. For another episode. I'm into it. Further Should into we, the future. Shall we start with, bodyguard yeah let's start with bodyguard oh and if we find and and of course um if we get the jarvis uh, cocker episode of bargain jarvis cocker episode of uh bargain hunt yeah and i think that we might have time to do it because we might have to uh take a take a small short hiatus because i'm moving and then traveling for work but we'll figure it out don't worry, we won't leave you hanging. Oh, I see that um, on Bargain Hunt, you're required to wear a polo shirt for your team, and Jarvis Cocker refused to wear the uniform. So ah, I'm already way into it. Yeah, that sounds extremely scandalous. Um, I'll close up the show with some Great. business. Yeah, please. Here. 
Um, don't forget you can send us suggestions and interact with us on Twitter at T and Sympathy Pod, letter T and Sympathy Pod. Uh, you can find us online, get all our episodes and other details at T and Sympathy Gmail us at T and Sympathy Pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear some um, tea tales and tea suggestions. Uh, Facebook, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash T and Sympathy Pod. And of course, you can listen, subscribe, and rate us. Apple Podcasts and Google Play ratings really help us out. Really, yeah. us we have been rated. I don't know how many it takes to get an average rating, oh. but I would love if people would just—you don't even have to write a review. You can just give us five stars. Yeah, five stars. Um, send us your show ideas, your tea ideas. Your do we want to talk about biscuits? Oh, biscuits! I think we had talked about a biscuit segment. Yeah, so I have to go to the import shop to get more tea. As I mentioned, we're out of caffeinated oh. tea. So I'll see what they have in the way of hobnobs and the like. I came across Tim Tams in the Target. So that's a thing. God, I love Tim Tams. I do too. That brings us to the conclusion of episode seven. Yay! Thank you, Sarah. Until next time. This Until is next time. Tea and Sympathy Podcast. Bye, everybody.